Amen. Y'all ready for the word? We'd like to welcome those of you who are watching with us online. Can you give a hand clap and welcome our online crew? For all of those who take the time to come into this sacred space with us, we say welcome. We say thank you for taking the time to fellowship with us and be with us during this time. Uh, we are in our uh, series called Authentic Church. Everybody say Authentic Church. And um, authentic is a very important word because it means of undisputed origin. And God is looking for a church when he returns without spot or wrinkle where there will be no denying when people see us in our everyday lives that we are Christ's church. Uh, we've talked about the fact that you are the church. You are the body of Christ. And, and so as we fellowship with Christ, wherever you go, encounter church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ goes with you. And God wants us to be in such a place that when people look on us, that they can see that we are of undisputed origin. When they looked at the disciples, they looked at them and said that they were foolish and unlearned men. But they knew because of what they were saying that these men had been with God. <laughs> it is my prayer for you today that as we finish and go through these series of sermons, that when your life is transformed from the word and my life is transformed, that on your job, in your home, with your spouse, with your kids, at the grocery store, at the gas station, when you come into contact with people and wherever you interact with people, people will say, there is no doubt in my mind that they have been with God. <laughs> my prayer is that for those who do not even believe in God, that when they see the transformation in your life, when they see how you love your neighbors and pray for your enemies, when they see the kindness emanating from your heart and the concern and your reverence for how you're careful about how you live and the things that you will and will not say, there will be no doubt in their mind that they have been with God. This morning we're going to be uh, reading from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 9 through 10. It's talking about the authentic church, but we'll have one particular topic in the authentic church today. We're not going to have a whole lot of reading in scriptures today, but we'll have a few. Um, it's going to have you're going to have some short scriptures. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 9 through 10. Luke 11, 9 through 10. I know you're used to a lot more scriptures, but that's what we're starting with today. Everybody, let's read it together. What does it say? So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to God, speak to your servants, listen, and we'll give you the praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about this topic, authentic prayer, authentic prayer. You may be seated. Sister Virginia, Sister Virginia if you're watching, we're praying for you. Uh, she is, she's doing well with her recovery, and we're praying for all those who need a healing touch. Authentic prayer. Prayer is something that we don't cover much in the church across nationwide, but this is something that is very vital and is very important, especially in this season, for we are in 21 days of fasting and prayer. And somebody needs to know the importance of what prayer is, but not only the importance of what prayer is, but the importance of authentic prayer. Because there is a prayer that is not authentic. 
There's a prayer that sounds good. It looks good. It, it, it moves people, but it does not move God. <laughs> There's a prayer that will make people shout. There are, there are prayers that will make people jump up and down. But those same prayers at many times will not make heaven move. So it is important for us to know that there is a prayer that we should seek a type of prayer life that is authentic and genuine to God. Jesus says this. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the Pharisees, for they love to be heard. <laughs> they love to get in front of people and, and they love to, to give a bunch of words and a lot of repetitions and say things over and over again. You know, like modern day evangelicalism, power of God power of God. Just repeat things over again and over again, for they love to be heard, but he says, this is not how I want you to pray. He says, first thing I want you to do is I want you to go into your secret closet. <laughs> and when you go into your secret closet away from everybody else, what he's saying is, I want some time with you. Last night, me and my wife, we left the kids at the house. Why do we leave the kids at the house? Because one day they're going to get grown and they're going to leave us and they're going to get married and they, we're going to be on our own. So we need to have some time alone. So what do we do? We get in the car and we close the door. And we go somewhere insulated from anybody that we know so that there's nobody to call us. There's nobody to talk to us. There's nobody to reach out to us. Why? Because at that time, we set aside that time for each other because we want intimate time, intimacy, to be able to see, to be able to talk, to be able to communicate, to be able to bear our heart, to be able to talk about what's going on in our lives, to be able to give our concerns and to give the things that are going well, to communicate openly because communication is simply a, 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 a transfer of the heart. Whatever's in my heart, I communicate it to you. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to have a spiritual date night. I don't want you to always have to get up in front of people just so people can say you sound real good with your fancy words and your fancy prayers. As a matter of fact, <coughs> God is not surprised by fancy words. He does not need those fancy words or fancy prayers. He said, as a matter of fact, what I want you to do is go to your secret closet. Get away from everybody. You don't have to worry about performing and worry about missing words. Or there's a lot of people who won't pray in church because they say, I can't pray like this pastor. I can't pray like that minister. But God is not looking at the words that come out of your mouth. God is looking at the cry that comes from your heart. God is looking at how you begin to speak to him. The Bible says, Jesus tells us that there were two men, and they were in church, Brother Dave. They were in church, and one of them was a proud religious man, and he began to pray. And he said, I thank you, God, that I am not this and I am not that, that I tithe and I do all these good things. And he had a very wonderful, prolific prayer. He was a dynamic praying person. And if you heard him, you would say this man had been with God. He knows church. He can speak church language. And the Bible says that Jesus said there was another man. They called him a publican. He was a sinner. He was somebody that didn't want to hang around anybody because nobody wanted to hang around him. And he didn't have any fancy words. He didn't have 
uh, an abundance of etymology. He didn't have an abundance of word study. He wasn't a wordsmith. He couldn't put together a word probably more than one to two syllables. But the Bible said he looked down at the altar. And he didn't say a word at first. And then he looked up to heaven and he beat his chest. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus lets us know that out of the two prayers, he said, which one do you think the father receives? See, God is not looking for fancy words. God is not looking for a bunch of words. God is looking for a heart that is submitted to him and that will pray for him, pray to him because he has designed us to communicate with him. The Bible says that God created man in his image. He created us male and female. And what he did, he placed mankind in the garden. And when he placed us in the garden, the Bible says that God would come in the cool of the day and begin to communicate with them. Until Adam and Eve decided to, that they knew better than God and they began to sin and they separated themselves from God. But in the beginning, it was not so. God made it to where he could communicate with his creation. But because of sin, we, have, we were separated. And there became a time when you can only communicate with God. He says, I speak to my prophets in dreams and visions, but I speak to Moses mouth to mouth. It wasn't common that every, any old everyday person could hear from the voice of God unless he decided that he wanted them to hear from them. As a matter of fact, from the time of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament all the way up to Matthew, there is a 400-year span. And between that 400-year span, nobody hears a word from God. <laughs> nobody hears God speak, but God came in the person of Jesus Christ. And when he came in the person of Jesus Christ and he began to die for our sins, he decided that he was going to rip the veil of the temple from top to bottom, which means that I have access to the Father in the name or the authority of Jesus. Somebody say, I have access. <laughs> I don't know if you really know what this means, but many times we love to be at a company where we know the manager. We like to go to restaurants. Why do we like to go to restaurants? Because we know people. And if somebody doesn't do something for us, if we know the people in charge, the first thing we say is, I know the what? Manager. We pride ourselves. Somebody else done that. I said, heard several people say that. We pride ourselves on knowing who's in charge because if we can communicate our grievances to the person who is in charge, that person can move on our behalf and fix our situation. I've come to tell you this morning how powerful is it that we have access to the God of the universe, the ruler and super ruler of creation who not only made creation but manages creation. And we have a unique opportunity that when sickness comes to us, when sadness comes to us, when life is beating us up all and down the head, when the enemy is coming from every end, we have the opportunity to say, wait, I know the manager. <laughs> I know who is in charge. <laughs> How wonderful is it that the God of the universe decides that he is going to listen to our prayers. No doubt that he has many things to do, for he hung 
the sun and the moon and the stars and the space. And the more they study on telescopes, the more they realize how expansive the universe is. And they realize through science that the universe is much more expansive than they thought. That God has not stopped creating yet. <laughs> he is an ever creating God. And when he sends out a word, that word creates. But no matter how powerful he is, no matter how mighty and high and lifted up he is, it is a privilege that somebody who has created the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky will take time to listen to little old me. To little old you. There was an old hymn that said, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our griefs and sins to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I am convinced that the reason we don't pray is because we forget what a privilege it is to be able to communicate with God himself. Hallelujah. I've, I had a quote, and when do you quote somebody? You quote somebody when they say it in a way that you can't say it any better. Can you pull up that on the screen? In 1850, there was a preacher by the name of Charles H. Spurgeon, a very famous preacher, and he wrote several volumes on prayer, and they would take his sermons and sometimes turn them into books. And I want you to read this quote that Charles H. Spurgeon said about paradise. He says, by instinct, man turned to God in paradise. Now, though he is too, to a sad degree, a de dethroned monarch, there lingers in his memory shadows of what he was <laughs> and a remembrance of where his strength must still be found. Therefore, no matter where you find a man, you will meet one who will ask for supernatural help in his distress. <laughs> Hold it right there. What do you mean, Pastor, that even those who de deny the deity of Christ, even those who deny the existence of God, let them get on a plane and the plane start bumping and they don't understand. <laughs> There's always a saying that there are no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> Why is that? Because when your life is on the line and you're dealing with the uncertain, you want to know that there is a God. You want to know that there is somebody who hears you and hears your cry. But this is what struck me and made me put this quote here. He says, I believe in the truthfulness of this instinct, and I believe that man prays because there is something in prayer. When the creator gives his creature the power of thirst, watch this, it is because water exists to meet its thirst. When he creates hunger, there is food to correspond to the appetite. <laughs> but even so, you ready for this? <laughs> when he inclines men to pray, it is because prayer has a corresponding blessing connected to it. In layman terms, he has food for you, so he makes you hungry. <laughs> He has water for you so he makes you thirsty so that you know you have a thirst and a need for God. And he has an open line to heaven for you to communicate with him. So he is placed, as Ecclesiastes says, he is a place in eternity in the hearts of men. He has placed a God-shaped void inside of man that cannot be filled with money. It cannot be filled with houses or cars. It cannot be filled with land. It cannot be filled with prestige. It cannot be filled with degrees. It cannot be filled with certifications. It can only be filled by intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's placed it there because there is a blessing that he wants to get to us. And God says that whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And why would God give us prayer to have a futile exercise? Why would he give us something to do and expressly tell us that we should do it if it did not work? Why does he tell us to pray without ceasing if our prayers go up to heaven and do not matter anymore? Why would he tell us to pray if we had no choice in the matter? It's because God already knows the beginning from the end and he has some things lined up for us. And prayer is a pipeline from heaven to earth. And as we begin to to come into the earth and we begin to pray to the father, the father will hear our prayer through the blood of Jesus Christ and he will be able to translate that prayer and he will send the will for his will from heaven down to the earth for he gave Adam dominion and he said I'm going to put you in the earth and whatever you call it that it shall be I'm going to give you kingship and rulership over the earth and we gave away that kingship and rulership over the earth God gave us a kingdom to rule and to reign in and we decided that we knew better than God but God still he decides that he's going to communicate with man he still decides that he's going to partner with man and he allows us to pray to him and uh, and he brings his will from heaven into the earth your will be done on earth as it is in heaven there are some things that are going on in the earth that have no business going on in the earth simply because the people of God will not The enemy makes us sleepy when it's time to pray. Jesus thinks so much of prayer that he, you've heard me say this before, he never said that my house shall be a house of good preaching. He never said that my house should be a house of good praise and worship or of good dancing, of good conferences. He never said any of those things. He said this, my house shall be a house of prayer. My house shall be a house where people can come in and connect with me on a deep, intimate level, and they can tell their burdens to me. The Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Are you hurt with anxiety and pain and stress? Why don't you, while you're in this space, in this sacred space, even when you leave here, begin to go into your secret closet and begin to relieve your stresses and cares to the creator of the universe. He's given prayer to us for several things. But when we look at Jesus talking this morning, he says something. He says, so I say to you, repeat that after me. So I say to you, why is that important? Because the first point is this. (laughs) Repeat after me. We have a God that desires to answer us. God wants to answer your prayer. You know how I know this? Because as I was reading Spurgeon, he brought out the fact that he said that he starts the sentence with, so I say to you, which means this is what I want you to do. God himself in the person of Jesus Christ says that I say to you. In other words, this is important to me. Jesus is making a proclamation. He is assuring us that he desires to answer our prayers within his will. Do you have a situation that you don't have clarity on? Pray. 
Even so, the Bible says, if there are any sick among you, what did he say? Pray. <laughs> Do you need peace in your heart? Pray. We have begun to diminish prayer and allow the world to tell the church, I don't, you see, that's the reason I don't go to that church. Because all they do is pray. They do pray, but they don't do any action. There's somebody that happens in this in society. And all the church wants to do is pray, pray, pray. That's like saying, I, I went to the hospital and all they do is treat, treat, treat sick people. The church was designed for prayer. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If you want to be an activist, that's fine. If you want to go on the street and hold up a picket line, if you want to do good things for people, all those things are good. You can shine your light and God will be glorified. But your primary purpose as the body of Christ is to pray the will of heaven down to the earth. You are a house of prayer. Everybody say house of prayer. <laughs> and Jesus says, I say unto you, ask, <laughs> and it shall be given. That's a promise. He's not saying it might be. He says, ask and it what? Shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. I like the way uh, that Spurgeon puts it. He says that faith asks because it believes God will give. <laughs> the reason I can even ask God for something is because I believe that he can. Because the Bible tells me that he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. So when I pray to God, I am professing my faith in God. I am saying that I believe that you exist. I believe that you have the power to intervene in my situation. And I am hoping and praying that you will. So I am expressing my faith by asking that I may receive. But then I like what he says. He says, hope seeks. <laughs> in other words, having asked what, it, what we ask for, hope looks to the manifestation. <laughs> in other words, that I am looking in hope and in faith that what I pray to God will come to pass. <laughs> the Bible says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The reason a lot of people don't have hope is because they don't have faith, and because they don't have faith, why don't they have faith? Because they never pray. The Bible says that if you had faith, thank you, Holy Ghost, you could speak to the mountain and it would be removed from you. <laughs> Jesus begins to, to see his disciples and Jesus is teaching and a man comes up and he says, Jesus, your disciples, they came over here speaking in your name. I'm paraphrasing. And they couldn't do anything for, for my sick person. And Jesus sees a demon possessed person and simply he doesn't have to throw oil. He doesn't have to jump. And shout, he doesn't have to hold it to deliver a service. Jesus just simply rebukes the demon and he leaves. And he looks at his disciples and this is what he said. He said, this kind cometh out only by fasting and prayer. <laughs> now, we know that Jesus is doing this in the moment. So he is not speaking to us about fasting and praying when the situation hits. What Jesus is saying, I've already been fasting and praying, and I have enough power to speak to this situation. Don't wait till it gets bad to pray. Pray right now. 
Don't wait till your world falls apart to get on your knees, but get on your knees every single day. Don't wait until the church holds a corporate fast. Hold a fast of your own and seek the face of God, and God will give you power that you never imagined. He will allow you to have his ear. You will have the ear of the most powerful being that ever was or ever will be. If you pray, stop complaining and start praying. Stop complaining about the government and start praying. Stop complaining about gas prices and start praying. Stop complaining about inflation and start praying. Because the Bible said that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous, they will avail. When I see people complaining, I know I see people that are not praying. When I see people that all they got to talk about is what's going on on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and they're always worried and negative about what's going on, what you are saying to me is I have no prayer life at all and I'm all I'm going to do is worry because where I came from in Mississippi, they had an old saying, Terry, you know what it was? They said, if you pray, don't worry, and if you're going to worry, don't pray. Why waste your time praying if you don't believe that God's going to do what you ask? Why waste your time worrying if you already know that your prayer has reached heaven and it's going to be on the way? We have a God that will never deny a request of closeness with him from a seeking soul. I want to be close to God. Get in prayer. He won't deny you. He wants to know you in an intimate way. I want to get rid of addiction. Get close to God. He wants to know you in an intimate way. I want to get rid of anger and malice and jealousy and lust and pornography. Get close to God. He wants to know you in that type of way. If you draw, He's promised you, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. We have a God that will never deny us closeness. He sent his son to die so that we could be close to him, to redeem us. How would we not take advantage of the privilege of prayer? Somebody died for your ability to pray. Where I grew up in Mississippi, I grew up in Mississippi, which was a hotbed of segregation. And I remember stories of my mama talking about how they went to vote. And when they would go to vote, there were people in the streets of Madison County and there were sheriffs that had shotguns through across their shoulders to intimidate people to keep them from voting. That's the kind of life my mother came up in. And that's why my mother was always into voting because she realized that people risked their lives and died for the opportunity for you to have your say. Why are you telling me this, Pastor? I'm telling you this because Jesus bled and died for you to have the opportunity to have your say. And how dare we not reach heaven and talk when he's given so much for us to have that privilege. Somebody died so you could talk to God. Somebody gave his life so you could get on your knees. Somebody gave his life so that you could give God what's in your heart and transfer from what's in your heart to his. How powerful is it the power of prayer? And we don't have to be fancy. 
We can simply begin to get on our knees and tell them what's on our heart. You can be blue collar. You can be no collar. You can be some degree, a barely degree. God speaks every language. I was reading this book. I spent a lot of time reading in, in books, preparing for this and praying and, and seeking the Holy Ghost in this. But I, I had an example that Spurgeon gave, and it was absolutely breathtaking. He would talk about people sending letters, and he said, we would have people, Sister Rosemore, he would, that would come into us, and they would want to speak to people. And they would write down their requests on a piece of paper, and many of them were uneducated. Many of them could not communicate their thoughts appropriately. And, and, and so it took us a little work to even figure out what they were kind of trying to say. So what we would do is we would read their request. <laughs> and when we read their request, we would take it then, and we would take it, and we would put it on our paper. <laughs> and we would take the words, and we would change them around so that they could be clear and understood. And when we decided that we were going to do that, they might not have influence with this person, but we would. So instead of letting their name go for it, we put it on our paper with our name. And after we wrote the request on there, we stamped our name on it. And the person would, if the person, we had any influence with that person, they would grant their request. He said, so how much it is so with the people of God that even when we can't articulate what we want to say, we can't get it out in the way. The Bible said that the Holy Ghost makes intercession with, uh, for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and God Jesus himself hears our feeble prayer and he takes that feeble prayer, Spurgeon says, and when he takes that prayer he decides to rewrite it and put it on his letterhead and then he stamps it with his blood and lays it at the foot of the throne of God and it, when you pray it is not just you praying but it is Jesus praying with you glory to God in this season of fasting where we seek to be the authentic church a church of undisputed origin may we seek a deep closeness with our creator you don't need fancy words or theological education you just need to be able to tell God what's on your heart. Consider the ravens. They have neither food nor barn, yet the Lord feeds all of them. Matthew chapter 6, you've never seen a raven get up and punch a clock and go to work, but somehow the raven gets food. And if God cares for the raven, you know why Jesus used the raven in that story? Because nobody likes ravens. Ravens aren't pretty like parrots. They're, bird, they're birds of carrion. They're ugly, nasty birds, and they feed off of dead stuff like crows and stuff. Nobody likes the raven. The raven is ugly, and the raven is nasty. If you're a ravens fan, I'm sorry, but the ravens, <laughs> the ravens are not good. And Jesus said, look at this old, nasty, ugly raven that spends his time like a buzzard eating dead stuff. But God even provides for it. And if he's taking the time to provide for a raven that, that, that's doing all these things, he made you in his image. Will he not more listen to you? But the enemy tries to lie to you. See, he can't stop your prayer unless he convinces you to stop it. So when you get on your knees, he brings up all the dirty stuff that you've done and all the bad places you've been because he wants to discourage you from praying. 
He wants to let you see you how you see yourself through all the lenses of your past mistakes. But you've got to stop when you start praying. Stop looking at yourself through the lenses of your past mistakes and start looking at yourself through the blood of Jesus because that's how God sees you. That's why we have the opportunity, the Bible said, now let us come boldly before the throne of grace. I come before the throne of grace expecting my request to be granted, not because I'm good, but because God is good. Not because I'm perfect, but because God is perfect. Not because I don't fail, but because God never fails. So he wants us not to ask God and he wants to he's the accuser of the brother and victor. So you know what he does when you get on your knees to pray. Brother Ernie, he says, I saw your for you page on Instagram. How you going to pray to God? (laughs) You know what you were looking at. I heard the conversation. If you can't say amen. <laughs> I, I, when you get ready to pray, he said, I heard all the four-letter words in your conversation. This is what the enemy does. Why are you going to pray? God's not going to listen to somebody like you. <laughs> why, why are you going to do this? God wouldn't look at somebody. You nasty. You not even. You, God don't want to listen to you. But I, when he does that, you will quote to him this, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He died for me knowing what I was struggling with, and I'm not going to lay in it. I'm going to struggle in it, and while I'm struggling, I'm going to get on my knees and know that he hears me when I pray, and I'm going to pray for deliverance. I'm going to pray until I get a breakthrough. I'm going to get I'm going to pray until the person that I see in the mirror is no more and I become more and more like Jesus every single day. Don't you dare come and accuse me, accuse of the brethren, reminding me of my past because I I'll stop my prayer for just a second to remind you of your future. And keep right on. James says it this way, you do not have because you do not ask. It's not somebody else holding you back. It's you holding you back. You've allowed the enemy to throw a torpedo into your faith. You've allowed the accuser of the brethren to guilt you into thinking you can't be good enough to come to God. I speak to somebody who's in this building and somebody online that's hiding things that you don't want anybody to know. And you fell already. God said, I knew you were going to fall before you fell, but you've accepted me and I've died for you. Pray to me and I can deliver you. Ask and it shall be given. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Pastor, what is a miss? I don't know what a miss is. I don't speak Elizabeth, Elizabethan English. All, uh, all a miss means is you ask for the wrong reason. The reason I'm not answering your prayer is because your prayer is not aligned with my will. Your posture has to be correct when you come to God. And I'm not talking about whether or not you're standing or whether or not you're on your knees. I am talking about the posture of your heart. That's why when you come to God, thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, Jesus tells us this. When you pray, start out your prayer like this. Our Father, which are in heaven. Well, why am I praying like that? First, because I am establishing an order because the 
father produces the son. The son does not produce the father. And when you come to God to pray, you are not making God your order taker. You are the order taker, and you are saying, God, I am coming to you for direction. Hallowed be thy name. My mindset is not for my agenda. My mindset is for your agenda. The reason some of our prayers are not being answered is because we're praying our will and not God's. Hallelujah. That's why he says that when we come to him before we pray, this is not the Lord's prayer. We call it that the Lord's prayer is over in the book of John. But this is what we call the model prayer. Jesus is telling you how to pray. When you come to God, first acknowledge who he is. Acknowledge that he is the creator and you are the creator. So when I come to you in prayer, I'm not coming to you demanding anything. I'm coming to you like a little child saying I'm dependent on you and I need you. I'm not coming telling you what you have to do for me. I'm coming to tell you what I need for my daddy. Hallowed be thy name. I am acknowledging that your agenda is more important than mine. Holy is your name. That's why some of us don't get prayers through because we we get too casual with God. Yes, you can talk to him and have your heart given to God and you don't have to be fancy, but you have to realize to whom you speak. Holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. And then when we pray, he doesn't even tell you to pray for what you want then. He said, thy kingdom come. I'm not worried about my stuff. But when I start praying I'm in my prayer life, before I get to my needs, I need to have a prayer of praise. I need to have a prayer of acknowledgement of your presence and your holiness and your greatness. This is how my prayer should start out. And then I want to pray your will in the earth. I don't even come to you with my stuff. I say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know there are times where you need a split second prayer and you can't follow that formula and you got to say, Lord, have mercy but and, and allow God to intervene. But when you are in your everyday prayer life, thou kingdom come and thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Name one thing in the entire time I've been talking about this prayer that acknowledges for things that we need yet. How would you feel? But Dave, I got people like that in my life. When I see them on the phone, I know they want something. They don't call me till they want something. Truth be told, I've been thinking about changing their name to do not answer on my phone. <laughs> because people get irritated when you feel like you're being rude. How does God feel when the only time we come to him when we want something. The only time we come to him is when we need a raise or we need some healing or want our kids. Pray for me. We think prayer list is just so we could get our, our will done, but this whole time he's saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And why is that important? Because some of the things I would pray for would change if I change my perspective to the will of the Father as opposed to the will of my own. How do I know this? Because if Jesus had what he initially wanted, he, when he was praying, he said this. <coughs> if this cup, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will. Thine be done. I am going to the cross 
and denying what my flesh says because your will is more important than my flesh. And we are aligned together. The Father and the Son are always, and the Holy Spirit, are always in harmony with one another. If you're going to school, young people that's listening to me online, are you picking your school because you got fancy flyers? Are you picking your school because it's the stuff that you want to do and the things you like? How many times have you gotten on your knees and said, Lord, what do you want from me? Direct my steps. I don't often tell this story, but when I was Haley's age, I was big into prayer. And, and I, was a, I was a smart kid. I, my first time I took the ACT, I slept in, in, in the class and got a 23. I was a, taking the ACT at Bellhaven College, and that's, that's ironic that I was doing that. And they back in those days, I'm dating myself, they had these things called chalkboards. And the only reason I could finish the ACT, I got so bored with it, I got bored with stuff like that, that I heard a clacking, and the lady was writing, you have 10 minutes left. That's what it was. So I, I woke up, and I started writing my stuff and getting the stuff in the ACT. I didn't know anything about school. I didn't know where to go. And so all I could do was pray. Brother Dave, with a 23 on my ACT, smart, whipped, had a tons of extracurricular uh, activities. I didn't have any direction. The counselor wouldn't give me any direction. I talked to the counselor. I said, what are you good for? I went out and I went over uh, <coughs> and, and I tried to seek other people and I had applied to some schools just to say I'm applying and they sent me some stuff and I knew my brother had went to a school so I applied to that school. Had no idea what I was going to do but then I gave up and I said, God, your will be done. Terry, don't you know, I went up to a community college with a 23 on my ACT, and somehow my FAFSA work wouldn't come through, and I couldn't even get into the community college. But I had to pray, God, your will be done. Brilliant student, couldn't get in. And after I had given up everything and, and, and given up all the things and all hopes, I said, well, maybe I won't go this semester. I began to pray, and I called my brother. He said, have you considered Bellhaven again? I said, yeah, I did, but I never heard anything back from Bellhaven. But I, I wanted to go to a school that was Christian because I, I knew at some point in time, although I was trying to run at the time, I wanted to have my fun first. I knew I was going to end up in the ministry. And I went to a place that was going to let me in, but it was so expensive I was cheap even then. I could have gotten to Mississippi College. And they, I went to freshman orientation. I said, I don't like this. I don't like this. I started praying. And as I began to pray, McClan said, come go with me. And my brother picked me up. And he took me to Bellhaven University. And we ran into a person by the name of Dayton Castleman. I'll never forget Dayton Castleman because as I began to talk to him, I prayed for God to give me direction. <laughs> and, and, and all these other places that didn't seem right. When I ended up at Bellhaven, it amazed me that how brother, uh, Dayton would find scholarships here all at the last minute, mind you, and this and that so I could go. He says, all we have to do is get you qualified, though. This is how God works out. I wasn't trying to look at Bellhaven. I was trying to go everywhere else. But when I prayed the will of God, I said, well, I sent in some paperwork a long time ago, and nobody ever responded. He looked at his desk. He looked over the pile of papers, Brother Day. He said, huh, look at this. You were accepted, and we never sent it to you. I was already accepted. And God was allowing doors to close because he wanted me to come there for a reason. You know why he wanted me to come there for a reason? I don't tell everybody this story, but he says it's a good school, and every man needs a good Christian wife. He says you never know. You might find your wife here. A year and a half later, not long after that, Dayton gets brain cancer. And when he comes back, he doesn't have that job anymore. And they send Dayton as a recruiter to Houston, Texas. 
and he meets this pretty little high yellow girl, <laughs> real smart. And he says to her, you know what? I don't tell everybody this, but I told somebody this a while back. You may meet your husband at Bellhaven. Her last name is now Bailey. Because when I was young, my mama taught me the prayer, power of prayer. Before I went to sleep every night, my mama, this is the thing. We should stop teaching our kids prayers and teach them how to pray. We just try to say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to sleep. We teach them all these model prayers, but we don't teach them how to pray, how to bear your heart to God, how to be honest with God. You need to seek God for the direction of your life. I've sought God for direction of the most critical parts of my life. And I want to let you know, I will always seek God for wherever we go. Not only that, but God wants to care for his children. Somebody say, he cares for me. I want you to think about something. If God feeds the ravens and feeds that dirty, nasty bird, what do you think he would do for the hungry soul? I know what he would do. He said it in his word. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be But, Lord, you just don't know all the stuff I did. Yes, I do. Ask, and it shall be given. You don't know all the places I've been and the things I've done. Yes, I have. Yes, I do. Seek, and you shall find. You don't know what I did on the way to church and what I did last night, Lord. Yes, I do. Knock, and the door shall be. If you want to live right, if you want to live holy, trust. Number one, we should know. That we have a God that wants to answer our prayer. Number two, we should know that we have a God that is interceding for us. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought for as we are. But the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Even when you can. Have you ever been to a place? Well, you can't even get the words out of your mouth. You hurting so bad in pain or heartbroken, and you don't even have words to describe the pain or the mental anguish that you're going through. You can't put words to it, and you're saying, Lord, I'd ask you for help, but I, don't, I can't even articulate what's going on with me. He said, that's okay. I speak that language too, and I will make an accession for you. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the what? Will of God. God is looking for a generation that is seeking him in prayer. He is looking for a generation that wants more of him. I am looking for a church that is more, more hype and live doing prayer service than it is doing praise and worship. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a church that is more heavy in the altar call than it is in the song and the dance because I am looking for what God is looking for. Authentic prayer. Pull up the first power principle. We're going to get ready to go in a second. The first power principle. What did it say? Authentic prayer seeks more of the will and purpose of God in our lives. That's authentic prayer. When you're seeking God's will and not your own. 
pull up the next one. We're moving pretty fast. Number two, as we let's read it together. As we pray, the Holy Spirit within us is praying and making intercession for us. The Bible says now that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you and will quicken your mortal body. Do you not know that God is living on the inside of you? You can hide from me, but you can't hide from God. And God made sure you couldn't hide from it because the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. So why are you trying to pretend for other people and hide? Well, he sees what you're doing because he's living on the inside. Whew. We ain't going there today. We ain't going there today. We're talking about prayer. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Somebody already had an ouch getting ready, and we ain't going there today. We're going down the road. Pull up the next power principle. <laughs> what does it say? Prayer is not a rehearsed role. That's supposed to be R-O-E, uh, as in uh, a repetition. Prayer is not a rehearsed role. Let's say it together. Prayer is not a rehearsed role, but a sincere communication between God and us, us and God. I want you to read this with passion. When we release our secrets to the heart to God, he releases the secrets of heaven to us. That's what I need you to hold on to. When we release the secrets of our heart to God, he releases the secrets of heaven to us. Do you need direction for your life? Pray. Do you need to know where your path is? Pray. And now my last point, I want y'all to help me preach it together. Everybody say, I stand beneath an open heaven. <laughs> I want you to say it again because I don't think you got it. Somebody declare that I stand beneath an open heaven. Somebody going to shout when they get it, Brother Dave. I'm going to do it till they figure it out, figure out what they're really saying. I don't think you really know what you're saying, that the God of the universe who can give anything he wants and the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him, and you can ask him for it. Say it like you mean it. I stand <laughs> beneath an open heaven. Hallelujah. That's something to shout about because God knows what you have need of before you need it. He says, seek me first, my kingdom, and I add it to you. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. If you will ask God for a deeper relationship, I promise you he'll give it. If you're seeking God today, he is wanting to be found. If you are willing to walk towards him, he will open the door and in him is great peace and rest. And if you are looking for a place to grow in Christ, this is your place. And if you're looking for a time to start, now is the time. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me. Oh, of you who labor. Let's read it together. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you learn from people? From communication. Open up your word and begin to pray about what you're reading. Allow the Holy Spirit to open up your heart and tell you what he's speaking to you. 
I pray that this is your prayer at the end of the, every sermon. Lord, what are you speaking to me? Holy Spirit, how are you speaking to my life and to my heart? And as you pray, he will let you learn of him. You can come and say, God, I don't have an MDiv or a DMIN. I don't have any theological degrees. But can you open up to me what this means? And the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives on the inside of you. He can illuminate it for you. There's a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. As we get ready to close, um, if you guys could look that up in the back. Today, as we open up the altar. I want to do something different. Do you want a closer relationship with Jesus? This is where it's at. At the altar. I'm starting to win the fact that we started calling him Savior and not pulpit. In, in most churches nowadays, modern churches, there are no altars. And the one thing God wants you to do is connect with him. Yes, you can pray for people from one side of the world. But, but there's just something about coming and bowing down your knees in prayer. Humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God. And from a man to men, even just beating your chest and saying, I don't have a lot of words, God, but you know what I mean. The altar is open today. I'm going to pray for those online and those in the building, and then they're going to put this music on, and I want us to spend some time today in authentic prayer. God, I thank you, and I hear you. Thank you for what you're speaking to us, and I pray this message is helping us, that is growing in our hearts, that our minds will be set to communicate and connect with you. We stand beneath and hope in heaven, God. Help us to be postured correctly. for providing for us and giving us our daily bread and forgiving us our debts and our sins and our transgressions and keeping us away from the temptations that come to us, God. We pray your glory and your kingdom in this place. And Lord God, bless these altars with the supernatural covering of your Holy Spirit so that everyone who's in here and every loved one will be able to pray to you today. I pray that every prayer that is prayed or uttered in this room or is now being uttered will be heard today and immediately. As our hearts are set for you, I rebuke the enemy in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke condemnation. Let spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that everybody who comes to you will come with a clear conscience and a glad heart. 